So um, we're at the end of our series this morning, and um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I was a little like, um, I, I don't know, hesitant maybe or, or leery of jumping into a, a series about generosity, but man, it's been good. It's been, it's been uh, I think, helpful to me even in, in studying this. And so uh, I, I appreciate all the, the comments and feedback as we've gone through this, this series. It's been good. It's been, it's been I, I think this is helpful for all of us. Um, and I would say this is a hard topic to discuss. And it was one of those, I, I want you to feel encouraged, not really beat up over this. Um, and I know that one of the reasons why is this is hard. This is hard in our society today, in our world today. Um, we don't even realize it sometimes how much materialism and greed and, uh, and jealousy and envy and all those things kind of influence the way we make decisions, the things we buy, the things we want, the things we desire. And honestly, I don't always preach for my strengths, and I would say this is one of those series that has stretched me a little bit um, because I have to work hard at this because... I'm just be honest, I like stuff. Are you guys like that? Are any of you like that? I mean, I just like things. And so, like, if I'm wanting to buy something, um, the Internet has made my life miserable because now I can research it. Instead of just going to the store and buying something, I want to go and read about it, read all the reviews about it, watch the YouTube videos about it. Can y'all relate? And then what inevitably happens is what I w wanted to buy to start with, I'm like, no, there's too many bad reviews of that. I need something better. Can you? Uh, that's what I did. And then I look at the next step up in price and in quality, and I'm like, you know, this is good, but there's another one I find out about that I didn't even know about. Do you, do you see the progression that happens? Instead of being satisfied with this cheap little thing over here, I end up having to buy this expensive thing over here that I really didn't need because I'm not a professional at whatever I'm doing, but the internet convinced me that I will not be happy unless I have this. That's how, the, and, and Jennifer's probably laughing over it. This is how my mind works, right? This is, yeah. Oh, she, she pointed at my watch. But if I ever go on a, uh, you know, a, a Himalayan adventure, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I mean, that, that's, this is kind of how I'm wired. And so, you know, I can, rational, I can rationalize anything. And I think many of us are in that boat when it comes to our stuff. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. It's not bad to buy things you need. It's not bad to buy things that you will use and that you will enjoy uh, the problem, and it becomes a problem, when you find your joy and your satisfaction from created things instead of the Creator. Do you see the issue? That is where it becomes a problem. When that takes our focus away from God. When that becomes everything that we kind of uh, focus on. And, and that's why we've got to talk about generosity. I love the famous quote from missionary Jim Elliott. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's a good one, right? He is no fool to, to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. 
And so with that, let's jump in this morning. Here's the first lesson for us today. We give from what God has given us. We give from what God has given us. Let me explain the the context of the parable we are studying this morning. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 25. And so if you've got Bibles, you can flip there. Uh, That's where we'll be this morning. Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the kingdom of heaven. If you're not familiar with the, 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 the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew is one of four Gospels. And what they do, they teach about the, the life, the teachings, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the events in this Gospel, in the Gospel of Matthew, are presented to kind of highlight that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies and that he is the Messiah who has come to ex- to establish the kingdom of God. And so it's, it's got this, it's got a lot of Old Testament references. It kind of is written uh, to the Jewish people to help them understand who Jesus really is. And so the passage we are talking about today, it's been called the parable of the talents. It's probably the title that you have heard it called by. And talents were a unit of, of money in kind of old in biblical times, and this this par- and a parable is just simply a story uh, about life that has a deeper spiritual meaning. And, and and so Jesus is teaching his disciples; he's teaching the crowds about the nature of the kingdom of God. And, and so this is about the time that he's approaching the end of his earthly ministry. So he's kind of wrapping things up. In Matthew twenty four, just prior to this. Jesus has spoken about these are the signs of the end of the age. This is what's going to happen before I come back, in essence, right? And he's telling them that you've got to be watchful, you've got to be ready. And the parable of the talents here, it's teaching us about stewardship, about faithfulness, about accountability. It's right before it, he talks about the parable of the ten virgins, which also focuses on being prepared for the arrival of the bridegroom, which symbolizes Christ. And so, again, context is so important. In all of this context, we're learning about being prepared, about watching, about being ready. And so that story of generosity, that story of the talents, is embedded in the middle of that. And so as we read this parable this morning, I want you to think about Are you ready? Is is the way you're handling the resources that God has entrusted to you, does it show that you are ready for His return? Let's pick it up in Matthew 25, verse 14 and 15. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. He gave five five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. So these are the talents that he has distributed out, the bags of silver that he has given out. And what I want you to notice right from the beginning, the master, he's going on a journey. This is a temporary absence, right? He's not gone forever he's leaving on a journey and he's coming back 
So right from the beginning, right, we need to realize this is a story about Jesus, right? This is a story about the Master. He's going on a journey. He's going away, but he's coming back. And so we've got to, there's significance here because this is really a story about God. He is the Master. He was here for a while. Now he's back in heaven. We are awaiting his return, and he will return again. And he has gone to prepare a place for us, and he will return as the King of Kings. And will we be ready? So the setting of the story, the master has put us in charge of his things, of his resources, while he has gone on this temporary journey. And I think that right there, honestly, I could stop right now, and that's a good enough message for us, right? That he is gone, we are in charge of his stuff while he's gone, and we need to use it to the best of our ability while we await his return. And he, the, the, the thing is, it's a big change in, in how we think because um, it's a change in our mindset. It's not our stuff. It's not our stuff. We give from what God has already given us. He has given, us, he, he has given to us from his treasure. He has entrusted us to use it. Where does it come from? It comes from the master. This is, again... In our society, what our society teaches us, you work hard, you make money, you earn it, it's yours, you do whatever you want with, right? you do whatever you want to do with it. That's what our society teaches. It's ours. And so when we pay taxes, we're mad because that's not the government's money, that's our money. Right? We go to church and like they're asking for money either for this or that or this person's in need. I don't I've made my, I worked hard for my money. They, they're not working. They don't deserve it. They don't need it. And this influences how we think and how we make decisions because instead of living generously, instead of looking for opportunities to bless others, we're like, let me hold on to everything because I've worked hard for this. This is mine. Do you see the problem with that? Do you, do you see the, the challenge that creates for us? The Bible teaches that God owns everything. He created the universe and everything in it, including us. We're not owners of anything, but rather stewards or managers uh, of what God has given to us. And so this helps us understand how to live our lives in a way that actually does please God. When we remember that we're just managers then it kind of frees us up a little bit to say, okay, what would God want me to do with this? Right? Would God want me to spend all my time researching something and buying something that I don't really need? Or would he just say, that's not really the most important thing in your life right now. Let's see how we can use this for the sake of the kingdom of God. And, And so this is such an important concept to us that there's just so many passages in the Bible that teach us about God owning everything. Here's one from the, the Psalms. Psalm 24, verse 1. Um, very simple verse. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Now that's a, I mean, that's about as simple as I can. It's all God's. And the sooner we realize that, that He's God, that we're not, then it changes really how we live our lives. And this verse reminds us that everything we have comes from God, and ultimately we are accountable to Him for how we use it. 
So he gives everything. And not only does he give the talents, he gives the silver to the servants. He gives in proportion to their abilities and to their faithfulness. I think this, this is another huge lesson in, in this passage that you know, he gives different amounts to different people. And I'm telling you, jealousy is cruel. Jealousy gets us into so much trouble. Because we look at, we look at other people and we're like, how, how did they afford a new car? How do they have such a nice car? How, how do they go on vacation and, and, I, and I don't get to? And so what do we do? If you're like most people in our society today, we're like, well, I'm going to go borrow money so I can do what they're doing. I'm going to go in debt. I'm going to go put it on a credit card so I can do, so I can keep up with them. And, and we, 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 we're envious. We're jealous of what other people have. And we're in this endless cycle, this endless race to keep up with them. And, and, and you learn pretty quickly that that's not going to bring you satisfaction. That's not going to bring you contentment. That's not going to bring you happiness. He gives in proportion to our ability and to our faithfulness. We need to be faithful with what we have instead of wanting what everyone else does have. And we, instead, if we're jealous about what we don't have, we're never going to have enough. And, and so many, there's so many studies out there that, where they've asked people of all different income levels, how much money do you need to be happy? And the answer is always the same. It doesn't matter who does the study. doesn't matter where it's done. It's always just a little bit more than you're making now. And that's our problem today. Um, Tim Keller, he, he said this. He said, a lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours, but they're God's. When we're not generous, it, what it is, it's us saying, no, this belongs to me. I, I need it. I deserve it. It's mine. Deuteronomy 8, another passage in the Old Testament, it says, But remember, um, remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm the, His covenant He swore to your fathers as it is today. This verse right, attacks right at the heart of, it's mine, I earned it, I deserve it. God is the one who gave you the ability to even go out and make money. It's not, it's not something, we, we forget that. We think it's all about my effort, my intellect, my, uh, my, my hard work, my, my work ethic, all that stuff. We forget God is the one who gave every bit of that to you. Uh, Randy Alcorn has written several books about generosity and uh, he wrote one short one that really changed how I view money. It's called The Treasure Principle. If you ever get a chance, uh, pick it up. It's a great little book, too. Short read if you, if you don't like to read. Uh, but this is, he said this. He said, God doesn't just own the universe. He owns you and me. We are twice His. First by creation, second by redemption. Not only does God own everything, but He determines how much of His wealth He will entrust to us. Stewardship is living in the light of these overriding truths. It's living with the awareness that we are his managers, not owners, that we are caretakers of God's assets, which he entrusted to us for this brief season here on earth. How we handle money and possessions 
demonstrates who we really believe is their true owner. It's either God or us. He goes on to say, as long as I hold tightly to something, I believe I own it. But when I give it away, I relinquish control, power, and prestige. When I realize that God has a claim not merely on the few dollars I might choose to throw in an offering plate, not simply on 10% or even 50%, but on 100% of my money, it's revolutionary. If I'm God's money manager, I'm not God. Money isn't God. God is God. So God, money, and I are all put in our rightful place. That's good. All right, that's what we've got to remember. All right, when we live open-handed, saying, God, I'm just here to use what you've given me. I want to be faithful. I want to trust you. All right, what we're doing, we're putting God in his rightful place, money in its rightful place, and ourselves in the rightful place, which leads me to my second point. We can either choose uh, to live in fear or we can choose to trust God. As we go through this parable, you're going to see that's kind of one happens here let's pick it up in verse 16 the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money after a long time, the master returned from his trip. He called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good, my faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now we'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver and came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the third servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. So here is your money back. So the first two servants here, I, I want you to see something. What they showed, what they demonstrated was trust. They showed they were both faithful and productive. He took, they took a little and they doubled it. They didn't complain. They invested. They doubled the master's money. And, and no matter what we have, this just shows that we need to be faithful with whatever God has given us, whether it's a lot or a little. They weren't comparing like, you got five bags, I only got two, I'm mad, why don't you give me one of your bags? No, they're just like, I'm going to use what God has given me, and I'm going to use it to invest it all right, and, and make more. And so we see that with the first two servants. But the third servant, what he demonstrated was not trust, what he demonstrated was fear. He demonstrated that he was scared. And the attitude that separates them is fear versus trust. Fear tells us, hold on to everything. Don't give anything away. We might need it later. Fear tells us, don't trust anyone. Stuff your money in your mattress. Don't tell anyone, right? Don't use it. Don't invest it. Don't give it away. Just hold on to it. 
Fear tells us that we need to live a safe life, a comfortable life, a life that doesn't take any risk. And here's the problem. When we're afraid, it's difficult to think clearly. It's difficult to make rational decisions. We're so much more likely to focus on our own needs and wants, and we're less likely to consider the needs of others because of someone else's responsibility. Trust, what it does, it teaches us to use what we have for God's kingdom, to honor God, to bless others, to invest it in things that matter, to invest it in things that have an eternal reward. And what we learn here is that God blesses those who trust Him. We see that over and over and over again. I'm telling you, even in churches, this is tough. It's tough on an individual level. <clears throat> it's tough for churches too. It's tough for churches because um, you want to play it safe sometimes, right? It, 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 you don't want to take risk. It's like, well, people give their money. We need to hold on to it just in case something happens. We, we want to be careful, right? And so um, we don't want to do, sometimes it's like you've got to fight this, that you don't want to do anything risky or anything that doesn't make sense. But in God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, right, sometimes we're called to do things and to trust God. Things that are risky. Things that are tough. Things that don't always make sense. And so a key to understanding this whole passage is not to be afraid to share what God has given you. Giving is relative. Two of the servants, they were given different amounts, but they doubled what they'd been given. But each received the same reward with the same commendation. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to trust you with more. I'm going to give you more responsibility. The one who was fearful didn't receive any reward. And so when fear of failure keeps you from trying, you're not going to see the rewards. You're not going to see blessing in your life. And what it's going to keep you from experiencing what God has in store for you. And so, again, this whole idea, this whole series about generosity has been changing the way we think about what we have. It's not really ours. It's God's to start with. And that kind of brings me to uh, my third point, our, our lesson this morning. Our lesson is that we need to be prepared for the return of our master. That's our lesson this morning. Again, the context is so important here. The parable is about being ready for His return. And, and so are we ready for Jesus to return? Are, are we building His kingdom or are we building our kingdom? I, I think this, this hits me hard because so many times I look around and I'm building my little kingdom here on earth. The things that I want, the things that I desire, the things that I, I, I'm passionate about. And I've, it's so easy to take our, 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 our gaze, our, our, our focus off of Jesus and his kingdom and put it on our kingdom. In this parable, the master returns unexpectedly. They didn't know when he's going to return. He just shows up. The first two servants, they're prepared. They've doubled his money. They've invested. They're ready to give an account for how they've used it. The third servant, however, he's not prepared. He has not used the master's money wisely. He's not able to give an account of how he's used it. And, and what's interesting here, he didn't go and waste it. He didn't go and like spend it on stuff. He just didn't use it. What it really shows was apathy. 
He was given a responsibility and he didn't take it seriously. He was given this to use and instead of using it, he's just like, ah, I'll just set it aside. I'll get to it later. I'll get to it. To me, this is a picture of so many people in our world today. It's like Jesus coming back, yeah, I'll get around to getting ready for it one day. It's just like putting everything to the side and saying, I'm not really interested in doing anything for the kingdom right now, but one of these days I'll get to it. And, and so it means that we need to use our time, our money, our talents, our relationships, all of them, we need to invest them in the kingdom of God. We need to use them to make a difference in the world. When we're prepared for the return of the master, that's when we're going to be rewarded for our faithfulness. If we keep going in this parable, I mean, it's pretty harsh. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. I'll just stop right there for a second. He's like, wait a minute, you're lazy. This is wickedness that you didn't even think about using it for the kingdom. Then he ordered, take the money away from this servant. Give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so he's given this picture of eternal judgment against the one who God gave all this stuff to, this responsibility to, and they just ignored it. And so again, my question, are we prepared for the return of our master. Because generosity is not just about money. It's about being faithful with what God has given us. It's about being productive with what we've been given. It's about being prepared for the return of our master. You know, there's so many eternal rewards. Right? We're laying up our treasures in heaven. It's not just what we focus on this short little finite amount of time that we're here on earth. And God is reminding us, eternity is a long time. It's beyond comprehension. Etern that's what we need to be living for, for eternity, not for the temporal, not for the finite. And so this is such a powerful reminder of us that we've got to be faithful, we've got to be productive, we've got to be prepared. And when we're faithful with what God has given us, we're showing that we trust Him. We're showing that we love Him. We're showing that He is our Lord. He is the Master that we're serving. John Ortberg says this. He said, Being rich towards God begins with giving to God that which He desires most of us. And what He desires most from you is you. Your heart, your devotion. Just as God can give us many gifts, but the best gift is, is Himself. So we can offer God our resources and acts of service, but the gift that He desires most is you. All right, Christ Himself is the ultimate treasure. Everything else in this world pales in comparison to it. It's not the new car, it's not the nice house, it's not the vacation, it's not the experience, it's not the stuff. 
It's Christ is what we need most of all. Philippians 3 says this. And Philippians, again, it's a whole letter that Paul wrote about being content with what we have. He wrote it from being in the middle of a jail cell. He wrote this about being content. He said, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them rubbish, worthless, because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This is what it looks like when Jesus is our focus. Everything else I count as garbage. Everything else is worthless. It doesn't mean, again, that we take a vow of poverty and never buy anything but it means our focus is on Jesus. How can I use this for Jesus? How can I use this for His sake? Um, let me read to you from Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle. He, uh, I, I mentioned that earlier. He's got six different keys here. And um, I, I'll read these to you. It says that, here's the first one. That God owns everything. I'm his money manager. We are the managers of the assets that God has entrusted, not given to us. All right? He's entrusted them. Uh, so God owns everything. Here's the second one. My heart always goes where I put God's money. Um, and so when we, he says here, watch what happens when you reallocate your money from the temporal things to the eternal things. Number three, he said, heaven, the new earth, not the present one, is my home. We are citizens of a better country, a heavenly one. And again, it, it's just changing our focus from right now, right here, to where, what we see, to where we're going to be for all of eternity. Number four, I should live today not for the dot, but for the line. He talks about the dot being our present life on earth and the line that goes on forever, which is eternity in heaven. He says, the next and number five, he says, giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and exalts him. Number six, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. God gives us more money than we need so that we can give generously those are good things all six of those are good and so he just goes on to say we should live more simply and give more generously because heaven is our home the single greatest deterrent to giving and to living more simply is the illusion that this world is our home and so i want to challenge us today do you know where you're going to be for all of eternity are you prepared? Do you, know where, do you know that Jesus is your Lord? Is that where your focus is? Because if that's where your focus is, then that's going to control the desires of our heart. All right? 
that's not going to be on us and our comfort and our pleasure and our excess and everything we want and our desires. It's going to be about, it's going to change our decisions. God, how can I live for you? How can I honor you? How can I use what you've given me for your sake and for your kingdom? And, and so this morning, to close this morning, uh, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Uh, it's a symbol of Jesus' love for us, our love for each other. Uh, and as we take this meal, we're going to reflect on the meaning of generosity. And generosity is not about giving money. It's about giving of ourselves, our times, our talents, our love. When we're generous, we're following the example of Jesus who gave everything for us. Generosity is not always easy. It, it's difficult to give when we're struggling. But when we are generous, we're not only helping others, we're also making ourselves happier and healthier. And so today, as we take this meal here in a minute, we're going to, uh, the praise team, you guys can come on up. Um, they're going to sing, uh, lead us in worship for one more song. During that song, we'll come receive the elements, and then I'll come back up and lead us in the, the Lord's Supper together. But my question for you this morning is, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Master? Because that changes everything about how you live your life. Let's pray together. Would you guys bow your heads? Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you, we praise you, we honor you. This morning, Lord, um, we, we acknowledge that you are the master of our lives, which is what Lord means. You are the Lord, the master, the ruler of everything. And you've left us here. If we're still breathing, you've left us here for a reason. To do your work, to, to, to advance the kingdom right here where, where we are to do what you've called us to do, to go and make disciples. So this morning, Lord, I, I pray for each and every person here that we would have a change in the way we think, that we would focus on you and your kingdom. Then instead of focusing on our own problems, our own desires, our own wants, that we would start thinking about everything in light of the kingdom of God. How can I build your kingdom here? How can I use what I have for your sake and for your glory? Lord, I, I pray that you would break, break the chains of materialism and greed that have taken hold in our life. Uh, the jealousy, the envy that controls us. I pray, Lord, that you would just use us and use, uh, just use what we have for your sake. Lord, I, I honor you this morning. We praise you. If there's anyone here that needs to, to make a decision for you, then right now, right here, would be the time that they could do it. So we want to confess that you are the Lord, that you died for us, that you, set, that you came to this earth to set us free to, to, so that we might have a relationship with you for all of eternity. And we just thank you for that. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.